Hello and welcome to mini episode 263 of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have three spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from the 5th of February 2023 and story number one comes from Becky. The closest thing I have to a ghost story takes place in the first home my now husband and I shared. A little backstory, it was a lower flat in a 100 year old duplex. Overall I loved it and only felt uncomfortable in the basement and the attic because they were classic old house creepy. That being said, our dog would actively avoid one particular doorway. She would only go through if it was her only option. The one time my parents' dog came to visit, she immediately went to that same doorway and started barking. So maybe they knew something we didn't. Now for my own experience. I would have a recurring dream that a tall, hulking man in old-fashioned work clothes would be standing next to our bed looking down over us. I would wake up gasping, sitting straight up. My husband said it happened even more than I realised. I've always been a vivid dreamer, so I didn't think much of it until we moved. I have not had that dream in ten plus years since we left that house. People mention pennies from heaven, but on my husband's side of the family, we receive dimes from heaven. Back in 2005, my husband, his mom, his aunt and his cousin were in a horrific car crash on a drive to Disney World in Florida. Tragically, his aunt was killed. At the scene of the crash, they could see coins embedded in the ground from the force of the crash. They had coins in the car to pay for tolls on the trip. When the survivors finally made it to the hotel, after being released from the hospital, they found dimes on the bed pillows. From then on, it has become fairly common in our family to find dimes in unlikely places. This has happened many times, but I'll tell you the most memorable ones for me. One day I was cleaning up our flat shortly after we had gotten an accepted offer to purchase our first home. I dusted off a windowsill turned to pick up the dusting spray and turned back to find a dime on the freshly dusted sill. We took that as a sign that Auntie Laura approved of our purchase. We also found a dime shortly after getting engaged and I carried it in my purse with a picture of Laura on our wedding day. I'm a college instructor and I was preparing for a new semester to start. A colleague and I were moving some supplies from one room to another I had been feeling particularly down and anxious that day. Imposter syndrome sucks. We had just left one load of supplies and came back with another load. There was a dime on top of what we had just moved. I think Aunt Laura was telling me that everything was going to be just fine. I've saved the best till last. In 2015, we were preparing to leave for a trip to Disney. It would be the first time my husband had driven that route since the accident, so he was understandably on edge. I'd bought him a fresh package of socks and just tossed it in the suitcase. The morning we were leaving, he grabbed the package from the suitcase, opened it, took out a fresh pair of socks and put them on. In the toe of one sock? A dime. Now whenever we find them, we smile, look to the heavens and say, Hey Aunt Laura. We all know that dogs are infinitely smarter than all of us put together. That's just a fact. Dogs know things. They understand supernatural things. And we have a supernatural haunted doorway that has been confirmed by two dogs. So Becky, that is confirmed. Haunted doorway. Dogs don't lie. And we've had so many stories over the years of people who have a really specific dream that only takes place in like a specific room in a specific house. 
I don't know. Is it the energy of that room that creates this certain dream? I just think it's such a weird thing to happen. Like, why would you never have that dream again and only have it in that house? Maybe for some energies or spirits, it's the only way to, like, communicate is by infiltrating dreams when people are most vulnerable. That seems very predatory, though. And as for the dimes from heaven, I mean, what a lovely sign that your Aunt Laura is looking after you. What are the chances of finding dimes on the bed pillows in the hotels? What are the chances of cleaning a windowsill, turning around, turning back and then finding a dime? What are the chances of finding like a dime in a brand new sock? It really does sound like Aunt Laura is looking out for you guys. And just to say, as somebody who has suffered with a lot of imposter syndrome, it absolutely does suck. But it is just your brain. It's just your brain being ridiculous and telling you that you're not good enough when you absolutely are good enough. And string number two comes from Kat. I was desperately house hunting last year in the awful COVID housing boom. My budget was small, one-bed houses and flats, mostly coming up in my right move filter. I was surprised when a large three-bedroom house with lots of land came up in my price range. And it is in a beautiful village that I love, Hingham in Norfolk. As soon as I looked at the photos of this house, the hairs on my arms stood up and I got weird vibes about it. It had been gutted inside, but that wasn't it, as many houses I was looking at were a bit derelict. I was so surprised by my reaction that I showed my sister and said, Someone has been murdered there, right? It was a particular room that gave me the vibe. My totally non-spooky sister just casually said, Oh, have you checked it for peepers? Confused and very surprised, I asked what on earth she meant. She says, You know, zoom in on the windows and check for peepers. My jaw dropped here because she isn't interested in this stuff, and it all frightens her so she avoids it. I zoom in and lo and behold, there on one of the pictures is a fucking horrible peeper. When you zoom in on the upper left window, it looks like the horrible face of a woman. I was so chuffed at having found a potential spooky thing that we went to have a look around. I drove and when we pulled up, my sister refused to get out of the car. So I went alone around the back of the house. It's on its own land and next to a field. And it felt off. The only reason I felt able to explore was because there was a farmer cutting the hedge between his field and this property's garden. I wanted to go to the back garden and see that window. There was nothing that could reflect onto that window. I'd wondered if it was the reflection of a tree, but definitely not. I took a few pictures and went back to the car. I saw nothing and felt a bit disappointed, although it had scary vibes. As we pulled away onto the main road, my sister said she saw something move in one of the upper windows at the front of the house. She was a bit spooked and I knew she wasn't lying. She told me that she couldn't get out of the car there as it felt so wrong. But she still let me go. Don't you just love sisters? I mean, me and my sister would be the same. I'd absolutely be like, yeah, you go get murdered. See if I care. Don't worry about it. I'm just going to sit here sensibly in my car. Yeah, off you go. Have a great time at the murder shack. That is indeed the beauty of house hunting. You would wonder why. The house was so cheap. And then you go, is it worth it to buy a really cheap house? If I get possessed? Yeah, probably, because I'm never going to be able to afford a house like this without getting possessed at some point. I always think that um, good instinct and intuition are the most important things when you are house hunting in any capacity. Because sometimes places do just have a vibe. 
And especially if you're looking in the windows of these houses and <laughs> in the right move pictures and you're like, OK, well, there's a demon face. Brilliant. And now anybody listening to this story who is in the process of house hunting or will be house hunting in the future will be looking in the window for peepers. So, Kat, you have performed a very public service here. And story number three comes from V. I have a story I thought you would enjoy. It's a bit different, and I've not heard any quite like it. It was also a very brief event, passing so quickly but lingering in my mind ever since. Because I was so young at the time and it was pre-internet, I didn't know that it wasn't a natural phenomenon. I don't think it was a haunting, but to this day I don't know what it was except that it was not imagined and was very real. And I know that only because I was not the only witness. I was nine or ten years old at the time and my little brother was around six. I liked playing in my closet at the time. It wasn't even a walk-in closet. I hung a big plastic kid's flashlight that changed colours and I set up a beanbag chair. I played pretend in my own tiny imagination studio. One stormy evening I invited my little brother, who was and is my best friend, to join me in my little clubhouse. We turned the bedroom lights off to make the closet as dark as possible so we could use the flashlight to make shadows. After a crack of thunder, we saw light through the crack in the closet door. So I opened it just a couple of inches to see out. What I saw was a ball of brilliant blue light, about the size of a basketball, drifting from the ceiling light towards the floor. I don't recall whether it went through the floor or out the window. This was in the early 90s, so memory has not held every detail, but I recall specifically that it came through the ceiling light. I remember that detail because after it passed, I gathered my senses, I climbed to the top bunk to check for burns on the ceiling. I thought for sure it must have damaged something or that the light itself was from a light bulb exploding, but there was no damage. My brother had watched the entire event too. Before we left the closet, we asked what the other had seen and compared notes. We had both seen it. Like I mentioned, as a child I thought it was a natural phenomenon, something related to the storm, and I believe that is still likely. At some point in my youth I read about ball lightning, which I also assumed was a normal, known, natural event. Only in adulthood did I start looking into it and realised that big blue light balls passing through walls and emitting no heat are not normal. For a while I thought what I saw was what people call orbs, until I saw videos of the dust balls people were talking about, that were not blindingly bright blue basketballs. Every decade or so I'll mention this event to my brother because I start wondering if it was a dream or a false memory. Every time I bring it up, he remembers it too. We've discussed all of the ball lightning theories and it's a fascinating phenomenon. As an open-minded sceptic and daughter of a physics teacher, I looked for the logic in it. My go-to theory has been that the energy in thunderstorms triggers a sort of mental mirage in the brain Not really a hallucination, but similar to how the brain creates an image of a tunnel in an NDE. My brother and I never discussed it with other people, but just last year, 30 years after the event, I decided to share it with my mom. As a kid, I never thought my parents would be into supernatural things. As an adult, I remember my childhood home contained an entire shelf of hardbound volumes of Reader's Digest publications that were collections of supernatural and unexplained short stories and anecdotes. I guess it never dawned on me that my parents purchased the books in our house, and books didn't just occur naturally in homes. Anyway, 
When I told my mom, I thought maybe she'd have some kind of explanation or at least find it entertaining. Oh no. Her reaction was the best worst thing possible and completely unexpected. She told me her giant glowing ball story. When she was in college, mom had one of those Volkswagen vans. She lived in Fairmont, West Virginia, a couple of hours from where I'd grown up later, and was driving with a friend around in the outskirts of town one evening. In case you've never been to West Virginia, let me describe the nature of it. Outside of towns, even the biggest ones, is pretty much just dense forest. This is still true in the 2020s, but even more so in the 1970s. The roads were two lanes and curvy, winding through or over forested hills, and you can't see much ahead of you. Near the top of the hill, Mom saw a bright blue light and pulled over because she thought it could be dangerous. Just above the power lines, she saw what she described to me as more of an oval than a ball that was the same size as the van she was driving. She thought it was an exploded transformer at first, but it lingered and was clearly a solid object, not a fire. She told me it then moved away into the forest and disappeared. She and her friend compared notes on what they saw, so she knows her experience was also entirely real. So my ball of light story was completely one-upped by my mom's, which was definitely not ball lightning. I sat in stunned silence on the phone for a while after she told me about this. Her story started living in my brain alongside my own, and now it can live in yours. How bizarre. And I just want to remind people that, contrary to popular belief, not a scientist, you know. I know that might shock some of you, but still not a scientist. But I do think that thunderstorms, in my scientific opinion, are weird. And they create weird energy. Like, look at the Humpty Doo poltergeist case. Started with a thunderstorm. Like, was it a ball of energy that had sort of passed through your house? But like you say, if it was ball lightning, as you know, people like to explain things like this as, surely it would have caused some sort of damage or left some sort of heat signature. And if it wasn't that, then what was it? And what did your mom see? Because whatever your mom saw, that that sounds like some alien bullshit. Did you see tiny aliens, like the borrower equivalent of aliens? And did your mom just see bigger aliens? Either way, that is very weird. And I'm kind of glad that your brother was there to witness it so that in those times when you're like, surely, surely I must have made that up in my brain. You can be like, do you remember that time? And it is always nice to have your stories validated. And you know what really made me laugh about this story is your assertion that like the Reader's Digest stories of supernatural and ghostly stuff didn't just appear in your house like your parents actually bought them. And it made me think about like how many things were in my house growing up that I just didn't think of my parents as buying. I was just like, oh, those just exist in our house. Kids are great. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Becky, Kat and V for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story was from the 5th of February 2023. And if you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for some extra content, you can sign up to Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you next time.